Hey, Ivanka, how's it going? What did you do this week? <laughs> what did I do this yeah. week? I listened to our podcast that we recorded last okay. week. Okay, how did and that I feel? I found it quite interesting that I listened to it and I didn't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> We've become self-referential immediately. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. that going. Well, you know, it's, what would you do if you'd just written... You know, did you, didn't you listen to oh, it? Of course I listened to it. Well, obviously I had to... I learnt that um, recording something sort of an hour or so long means obviously you have to listen to it for at least one hour <laughs> to edit it <laughs> and probably yeah. three or four. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that was uh, that was exciting. But, I, you know, I think it, it came together OK. We're going to make it. Yeah, so, so, uh, so yes, I did listen to that and that made me think and it made me try to f- listen to a few other podcasts okay. that I hadn't previously what heard. What did you listen to? Um, I listened to. I hadn't actually listened to Adam Buxton, which I enjoyed. He was talking to a Syrian refugee, oh. and I I did sit in my. I was in my kitchen cooking and crying. Oh, no. <laughs> it was quite. Even though, but actually, it was really jolly. But it was mm. also sad, moving. It wasn't sad. It was moving. I think is what it was. But the guy was amazing. Um, but then I've ended up with the the jingle. He um, in my head. He is. He is. He has taken some liberties with that outro jingle. First, when I heard it, I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." And now I'm like, "Adam." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did like. I did. So I listened to that. That was cool. Uh, I listened. I started listening to another one, and then uh, reached my destination. So I stopped okay. listening. And then, um, I, but I'm I'm quite a fan of the Desert Island Discs, uh, which. Obviously, isn't a podcast mm-hmm. in the in this sense of the word, yeah. but it is a podcast. It is a thing that you can listen to through your podcast app. Yeah, <laughs> it's radio, but it's good radio, and I'm really enjoying mm-hmm. the Island Discs because yeah. it make it always makes me think. Anyway, they had no listen to Nomi Klein, and I listened to Professor Phil Scratton, mm-hmm. uh, and he's the guy that. Did all the research for Hillsborough, right? And was pivotal in the uh, people now being arrested with the new findings that none of the fans are to blame for anything that happened that day, all that. But he was a fascinating. He and it, there was some good Catholicism references in oh, there, Michael. Good. <laughs> so, so something to perhaps revisit. Uh, the Naomi Klein was interesting, of course. Mm. My um, my sort of Radio Four podcast of choice is in our time, but I use it for sleeping on on sort of long haul flights. Oh. I use it um, to sleep coming back. Well, not long haul, but coming back from America, I will uh, sort of cuddle up in my seat, have the noise of the plane kind of rumbling, and I'll have like Melvin Bragg talking about something very sort of esoteric and sort of academic <laughs> that I'm kind of not really understanding any of it, but it soothes me into sleep. And I wake up <laughs> back in London. <laughs> well, it's not a bad call. <laughs> the only thing I don't like about the... Well, maybe I do. The Desert Iron Disc thing is that I can't decide if the podcast is better than the show because you don't have to listen to the music. <laughs> <laughs> what was your week like? Um, I, well, obviously my album came out last week and I, I don't know, it's been kind of an intense one of just emotionally adjusting to its inevitable sort of like... Um, <laughs> I like tried, went out to a couple of things and um, yeah, just this week been I sort of had a day off and yeah, I've just been... Um, I don't know... Um, Sorry, yeah, no, my week's been a bit, I don't know, a bit shitty. Uh, really? <laughs> although, like, like, lots of, it's, 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 it's almost like as as many of my friends as I could have expected have been really supportive and, like, even, like, written up, written up my album and shared it and I see all the nice things that them and then their friends have been saying about it. But um, I, I don't know how much is enough for me. It's like, uh, you know, I need that, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was. I don't know what I need from this thing, and I think it's pretty clear that it's it's not. It's certainly not something that nourishes one emotionally. When you're making music, who are you? Why are you making music? Okay, <laughs> it's like you know. I, to be honest, like I think one of the main reasons is just a sort of like. Well, as I was younger, I heard music and I was excited about it. I wanted to know how you do that. I wanted to like, and I wanted to try and understand how, what it is about it that, like, what are the what are the mechanics of affecting someone's emotions? 
like in in these ways like what's the so it's sort of like a technical fixation on one level just of how do i what are the what are the bits and pieces that i combine how do i get that sound how do i what is it about this piece of music that is making can i kind of untangle that but um but the fact that that seems to be an absolutely intractable problem it, like an inter a challenge it's not something that you can ever find a logical formula for and that's why i'm kind of drawn to it so much because it's just there is it defies creating a formula because if two people do something that kind of sounds the same then it's it, does, it doesn't work the second time you have to do something more or you have to do something different or you have to kind of do something meta or you have to just but like and the weird thing of like how people want they love something that's a different but not too different like there's a certain amount of different that people will get excited about but if it goes too far off then it becomes too, so so um <laughs> uh why do and so so it was a technical fascination with it, but then there was you know one it at school when I was fifteen was this kind of like horrible place. But then like someone said, oh, do you want to join our band and play keyboards? And that was sort of the first time that I really got any you know sort of social acceptance in at school with like my peers and and i'd be making music and i'd come into the sort of sixth form common room and like my tape was my latest tape that i'd done and my computer was playing um this was it was a way of sort of bypassing my fears of like i think i i still i find it hard to kind of let my guard down to like in sort of casual social situations even to this day like last night had some issues with kind of a group situation just because i just don't i'm not capable of people with people i don't know very well kind of letting my letting myself show um to start with whereas music it's like okay well maybe we can sort of like crash through that wall and i can people will know me without me having to kind of like go through that terrifying process on my own and then yeah like so it just kind of was that and it was that that friendship and that um and like I, it's fun being i got a taste of what it was like to be famous at university like we won the band competition and suddenly everywhere i went people were like congratulating me and wanting to buy me drinks and like girls were coming up to me that i just <laughs> would have not even dared even like you know go anywhere near and like um it was you know, I, I was like, yeah, I like this. I, <laughs> I want this again, but in real life. Um, but so it's, it's slightly ironic that over the years, a lot of the things that I enjoyed about it have um, aren't a part of my music making anymore. And it's kind of turned back into this slightly more, I'd like a, trying to find mastery over, over the sort of craft and um, figure out how to find a way that, people enjoy listening to what I'm doing without but in a way that I can also enjoy making and that I will also enjoy playing over and over again so I, I sometimes I don't I'm not sure why I do it but it's just a compulsion it's innate it's like it's something I couldn't not do so you know which yeah oh it just sounds like a, a, a I was a, when you so first it sounds when you first started talking, I thought, "Oh, he's just designing something." <laughs> no, but no, it's not at all. It's I'm uh, not solving a problem. This is a this is the thing. Like, yeah. I think a lot of commercial yeah. music is solving a problem. It is more of a design thing. It's like people need something to dance to in a club, and if you yeah. can just take it on that level, I think you have a much easier time. But if you're trying to do something artistic that's coming from yeah. you a bit more, then like this is a huge problem for me. I'm not solving a problem that anyone's got. So it has no value to people. So, you know, how do you make that? Pay some bills. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> It's 
Friday again, we're recording, we're doing our second podcast, and we decided in the spirit of grand topics that we would choose death this week <laughs> as our project, as something to talk about, because I think we both have had experiences that have made us, I don't know, our attitudes are possibly more idiosyncratic than most. I don't know, but I thought we could sort of talk about a couple of experiences and like what we learned from those. <laughs> <laughs> what we learned, how they have yeah, shaped our outlooks. And I think it's a, I think it's an important part of our makeup. Not just death in the literal sense. I think it's an important part of creativity. It's an important part of really just anything. You know, you can't have anything without death. You can't have life. You can't create things without other things dying. You can't have change without losing things. But yes, death. How do we want to tackle death? Well, do we do the quick, a quick run summary of, of dead relatives? <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Who wants to go first? Do you want to go first? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got, I think the most significant death in my life is clearly the uh, sudden death of my father when I was 20. Um, but I think what made that... Uh, more significant is that it had happened after we had we had so i i have never been a refugee in the sense of in the in the true sense of the word i am i am not uh we left the former yugoslavia with uh, british citizenship mm. we came home you could say so but uh, that didn't doesn't mean and you know there's loads of there's a whole topic around you know uh, guilt and things um but it did mean that at, at 16 I left a country I was not involved in the in the physical I was not physically present in the war I watched it from a distance I heard about the death of my friends we got through uh but we did leave Yugoslavia very suddenly and with no particular plan. So we came to the UK and with very little money, somebody lent us a flat, blah, blah, blah. It took a while for so, my family to go on. So, so your sort of in British legacy was what you'd moved out that way, the family had moved out that way or there was what was what was that? Well, we, we um, I, I was born here, lived here till I was eight. My mum's right. like proper English. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Proper British. And my late father was not. Uh, he was born in Yugoslavia, he's Croat, and he became naturalised British at some point okay. before we left when I was eight. And so, you know, we just came back, uh, which people can do if they are citizens. Mm. And, uh, but, you know, anyway, Yugoslavia is a long story, but my point is really to do with the, with the death thing is that we'd had this very sudden and dramatic change in our family and then we've got ourselves together. My, both my parents were working, we could afford holidays, life was normal and then just as we were back on the straight and narrow, um, my father died very suddenly and I think that, that was... You know that that is a it is a trauma, uh, but it was on top of a a trauma, so I I think it took it's taken me many years to find out how, what I think about it and how I want to live with it and how I deal with it and so, lots of different. Go so on. there's like three sort of death like events there. There's moving away from like when you're eight. Yeah. There's and then there's leaving a place that you'd sort of settled down in when you're 16 and yeah. then there's you know your father when you're 20 so that's that's sort of quite a lot of kind of upheavals to process yes. and so I and I think that definitely uh, there's anything that's happened since then has been massively uh that obviously affects a person there's no way around it it certainly affected me um but I think in many ways we it, but it's not it's not something that makes me sad all the time or sad all day well, that's or, not how, or anything that's not like how it that. works that's i think that's the works. point no. of it. that's why this isn't a miserable <laughs> podcast episode no, no, because no, no. it's about death but death isn't just about feeling sad it's about you know it's more than that 
It's more than that. So, um, so that I think that's as quickly as I could do my summary. I don't think I could do it any more quickly. Do you want to do your summary? Um, okay, <laughs> let's get them out the top. Your death summary. Uh, so my my sort of major death thing was when I was five. Uh, my mother died all of a sudden, um, and yeah, like I guess the rest of my life has sort of been an echo of of the consequences of that, really. Um, it was a suicide. It was a Catholic. There was some. There was some sort of Catholic fundamentalism in the mix. There was some, um, like, from my perspective, it was very much. It was sort of very much uh, couched in going to heaven and, and and all this kind of sort of Christian mythology. Yeah, without going into any details, it's uh, it's hard to. Well, basically, she yeah, she sort of left my father with four tiny children. Uh, I was the eldest of the four, so she'd had, um, yeah, four children in six years um, and then sort of, like, gone. So he was suddenly kind of left with us and I think he, you know, he had a lot to a lot to carry and the way that came out was in um, maybe, you know, ways that were hard for me as a child to deal with. So it, it, it's like there's, there's the death and then there's the sort of um, the, the aftershock of that just kind of last for years and years and years especially something like this where it's not there's no one to blame there's no it's just someone kind of disappearing from their body all of a sudden and not being who they were before um yeah I've always been acutely aware of death from a very very young age and initially it was couched in terms of you know having to be good to go to heaven and then later on it was couched in terms of sort of the transhuman condition and how we like modify it, how we kind of increase our longevity to sort of avoid death and and you know artistically it's like how do I kind of make sure that I don't immediately disappear the second that I die and you know I've just it's always been kind of front and center of my sort of consciousness yes <laughs> the um uh so the, those are our backgrounds cool podcasts guys cool podcasts <laughs> this is this is i'm definitely story. enjoying this one on my uh, commute <laughs> i definitely want to go to work thinking about this <laughs> uh. things you were saying about it never goes away it just transforms and I think you know you do have your uh, uh, childish or your your child's interpretation of a thing mm. and then you shape and grow and how you and then as as your life changes how you think about that particular uh, death event uh, so for example I, I take the death of my father probably being is the most the one that sits with me most because I miss him you know mm. I want to tell him things and that's just the way you know and as my life changes uh, there's a new thing I want to tell him about or I'd like his input input on Fra frankly I wanted him to tell me what to do after Brexit <laughs> I was like oh, I really God. did I was like so he knew that you know he had the wherewithal politically to know that there was actually going to be a war and that we should leave mm. Um, and I don't mean that somebody told him. I mean that he read he read the chessboard and decided it was time to go. Mm. Um, but the uh, so after the Brexit result, I was like, "Fuck! What do I do? What am I supposed? Am I supposed to be getting my family out of here? What am I supposed to do?" So I did I did miss him then for his input. But generally, there's a I, you know I get I have a chat with him every so often, uh, usually in on the using my inside voice, not my outside voice. But I don't really think that's what we want to talk about. No, I think it might be good to just shift gears sort of into a kind of talking about creativity, maybe. The sort of clearest, most brutal form that takes for me is um, like it's this "kill your darlings" thing. You, you, it, at the end of the, if you've created something, it doesn't matter how long it took or how hard you worked on it. You have to be prepared to let it die if it's just not good. <laughs> you have to be prepared to yeah. come back to it and just go. Ah, I spent a lot of time and money and like on that, uh, but it's you know it's not as good as this thing that took me five minutes and like I just did like out of nowhere and that's I think that's a hard mindset for 
creative people to embrace, particularly if they haven't sort of had to do it in their lives very much before? Well, I, I think that uh, what what you're talking about, I encounter in a in very much not in a in a work environment when you're trying to build something new and create a new system, a new way of doing things. It's the hardest thing with everybody is to get people past this this point where they think the idea that they had or what they understood previously to be true can be examined and can be reassessed and that the the, the new episode isn't necessarily um uh, bad you know i can't i can't i can't say that um that because you find a new you find a new normal and a new life and in in work i often find that you know even people getting people to throw away a piece of functionality yeah. in something. And you're like, you know, yeah, we all thought that was a good idea, but it's not, so let's be yeah. it. And now we've had a better idea or whatever. You know, it's like a... a, a, a and I, th- I think it's, it's very hard for people to move past this... Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think. And, it's, and it's coded into practices, and this is what, like, the sort of waterfall, you know, design and software development, you know, practices where you're supposed to think of everything up front that needs to be done and write it all out and plan it in great detail and then do it like that's if you want to do something good that's not how it works and that's why there's all these alternatives these agile things these two-week sprints and it's because you need to be able to just redirect yeah just go actually this didn't work i thought it was going to work but then this one unexpected thing did turn out to work but sorry and and the, the more and the more you have someone in charge that doesn't isn't capable of going, oh, I just spent uh, 50 grand on uh, this bit of work, but it's not working. That, you know, they, they can either be sort of take the unenlightened approach and think that if they just spend more time and effort trying to make this thing work, that it will eventually work. Or they can do what we're a lot more capable of doing if we're, you know, if I'm working alone, I can just go, oh, I can be nine, I can feel like I'm 90% finished on something. And then realise that the last thing that I can't quite fix actually needs me to redo sort of the entire user interface yeah. of something, and like learn from from that sort of process, which I could just never see happening in a kind of more in a more team or sort of corporate setting because it's just not coded into those practices. Last week we mentioned um, the the sheer force of will behind doing something yeah. or certainly that's how I sort of see some of what I do is just kind of right this you know I need to get this done I'm going to keep pushing until I've got hives but um but the uh but that'll be I think my attachment tends to be which is interesting because it kind of conflicts with what we're talking about now which is that 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 the the idea that you're that you're, if you're more open to the idea of death, be it of you know people, ideas, projects, whatever, that they, the sheer force of will element should be less present, shouldn't it? Um, no, I should be. Able, I should find it easier to go. This is a this is a bad idea. Stop pushing. Um, but I don't think the the openness to change. And I think we're using death as change yeah. the thing that has brought my own mortality to my to, to the front of my mind more than I expected took me by surprise was having a child right yeah um, and it suddenly there's you know there's no escaping the fact but it's not that I ever was particularly concerned with dying I just never really thought about it until I have a child until I had a child and I was like oh my god I'm gonna well yeah I'm gonna die okay mm. uh <laughs> what do I need to have done before that you know what do I need to do for her what do I need to do um so that was quite interesting but I think I've I've uh, uh processed that a bit more now but it makes me there's that and a um a constant sense of uh, anxiety those are two things a child brings. okay <laughs> for the child's safety <laughs> for your own uh... Uh, the child say yeah. everything everything the world the child uh first it starts this very very long period of is it breathing uh. <laughs> is it still alive and then there's a then there's then it that all sort of morphs into all sorts of you know what am i feeling have what if i said the right thing have i damaged it forever or can it go is it gonna it's just a, a never so you have to i think uh, all these tricks that one learns 
reading and thinking about mindfulness are very useful here. So you have to put the anxiety to one side mm. so that you can uh, live. Because <laughs> otherwise, if you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just come back to now, don't you? And just go, okay, right, okay, just yeah, what yeah, are my feet right. doing? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, so the whole, um, yeah, so the world is a dramatic place sometimes. talking about the agile versus waterfall type thing yeah is that i think the thing that i have learned and i have absorbed more than perhaps some people have had the opportunity to do is that one can make plans in life and there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a plan and a direction but it is not a given that you will be able to execute that plan Yes, and there's good stories about people lost in the jungle finding their way out thanks to a map, even though it turned out to be the wrong map. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Just there's a thing that, like, uh, it was in some, I can't, I I need to, I don't know what what the reference is, but, like, yeah, like, just even just having something that you think is a plan that will work, even if it's completely insane and completely wrong, will you know, can actually help you to sort of find your way out of a difficult situation. Wow. I might buy that. Mm. Or maybe maybe it's a bit about risk that the, the death thing actually makes you think about. It's like, actually, what are the risks of making a plan in the first place that you're mm. not, you know, you're, you're, you can't prove or that you, you know, you're always making a decision based on what you know today to be true. That's it. Yeah. That's the best you can ever do. And so, and tomorrow that might change, and okay, then we'll change the plan. But for now, this is what we're doing. Mm. Um, so I think there's something about uh, relationship to risk, um, mm. and I'm I don't I don't know how risk averse. I think some people would say that I'm not that I'm not at all risk averse. That I'm quite maverick. <laughs> I got, um, but I think that I personally think that I I am at least sensible with risk. I like to be aware. I like to have a sense of the risks. It won't necessarily stop me moving forward because mm. the risks are, fuck, you know, we could all, something horrible could happen tomorrow that mm. I don't know about yet. But, you know, based on what I know today, I'll, I'll try and mitigate risk by looking both ways when I cross the road. Yeah. So when people do that, oh, somebody could be hit by a bus tomorrow, that annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> what well, ex- unpack that? It's like, yeah, like, what? Why does it annoy me? Yeah. Fuck, you know that's all. because you know it's like uh, the risks are that uh, I don't know that the, the, there's some political change. You know there are mm. there are risks that are more actually weirdly more likely I think than somebody being hit by a bus. I don't know. Mm. I don't. I don't know why. It knows I think like if someone in the team got hit by a bus, like fuck the project for a few days. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like suddenly this isn't actually going to seem that important if that happens. So uh, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> so it's real. like uh, that will take all bets off. You know, mm. that it will be. It will be a terrible situation. Yeah, yeah that's. I think that yeah. probably is what. You I mean, think. I think I'm. I'm. I think I've certainly. <laughs> I think my, my experiences uh, like have meant I, I, I take a lot of what I think people would think are risks. I think, like, I do a lot of things that a lot of people would be afraid to do. Um, but it's... But then I'm, like, terrified of other things that I think most people wouldn't even think about. Or or there's, like... Yeah, I think my my attitude to risk is sort of, like, a different shape to most people's. It's sort of, like... It, 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 it plugs in in a different way. It's a different brain chemical. Um to, to other, and I'm sure everyone's is different but I think mine is, is like because I'm pretty you know in the workplace I'm pretty just fearless about anything really I, I don't really care about sort of whatever the sort of perceived you know order of things is supposed to be in the structures and the hierarchy I'm just sort of looking at the project and going okay what how are we going to achieve this who need yeah. what needs to change and I just I would never kind of buy into that 
Mm, well, you are in charge, so that means you know more. So that means I'd better shut up. I'm like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even care if I have this job or not. Like, this isn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, like, you know, do whatever that it uh, needs. Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely recognise that in myself. I have a, I am, um, I'm not very good with all the high. I, I am always only interested in the outcome of a project of a thing we're making is it going to be good or not mm. i am not bothered about promotions or, or hierarchy or any of those things i think what what though i am afraid of is commitment okay <laughs> it's like it's like a, a, i think in many ways that's the um that's probably the opposite where i say I'll, I'll take massive risks in my you know in my life, like riding a motor, no, well, sitting on the back of a motorcycle. Uh, That's still riding to it. Bottom of the- <laughs> well, people go, oh, you didn't ride the motorbike. Oh, I'm disappointed. I thought you rode a motorcycle. I'm sorry, I'm not that adventurous. Um, but anyway, so so I'll, I'll happily sit on the back of a motorbike uh, from Alaska to Argentina. I will uh, change jobs very easily. I freelance. I'm not particularly concerned about long-term um, contracts and things like that because I, I do think that's a people are in what they perceive to be a stable work yeah. environment yeah, but yeah. I think that's totally a, uh, just a, a fallacy yeah. um, so I might as well freelance and have the flexibility myself so yeah. I have got equal power to have an extra bit of holiday or you know change contracts but when it comes to things like I don't know, committing to some social event in two months' time. <laughs> I really struggle. Well, about, what's that? What's know, a lot that of things about? could happen. <laughs> a lot of things could happen. Yeah, like, well, I, don't know. I might not be in the mood then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it sounds like a nice idea today. <laughs> but um, I don't even think it's conscious. I'm like, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like committing to things. Um, why so much of managing things always comes back to war? I don't know. <laughs> I, did, I did an agile training course recently, and uh, uh, one of the things I adhere to at work, or things I say to people, is ask for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah. Um, but this guy that ran this course has said, called it um, proceed until apprehended. <laughs> It's like, wow. whoa. <laughs> it's like, that's a very Jeez. different, you know. <laughs> that See, what's that? It's like marine talk, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, you're not in an army. You're just delivering, you know, you're just building something for a bank. Or I think even the example he was talking about was some, you know, online retail website. Um, <laughs> anyway, so there's quite a lot of... Uh, aggressive military analogies that people use in the workspace. Mm. So I I thought we could like pick this up by coming up with some fun hypothetical questions on the subject of death. For instance, so Ivanka, like, um, who would you like to die? (laughs) Who would I like to die? Is there anyone that you would like to die? (sighs) No. No, no. Uh, and and I've got no, I've got a a, 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 a semi serious answer to that question. Yes, good. Uh, which may or may not be be relevant, uh, but is uh, I so my sister's ten years younger than me, and she stood, studied philosophy. Mm. And she was doing that whilst I was doing my masters, uh, and so we lived together. Mm. And she would, because it was philosophy, she'd sit around. She's always been argumentative. Mm. <laughs> and we've always been up for debate. But we had this possibly even over a few months, this running debate on whether it was ever okay to kill anybody mm. uh, on the subject of violence and war. And uh, we concluded that no. No. <laughs> it was never okay to kill somebody. Uh, I think that's so, fair. So I don't, you know, I don't wish anyone dead. I wish they'd fuck off a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> but well, just, you know, if you want to be an arsehole, just go and live on your own then. You know, if you really don't believe that your your the, the state of society affects you, then 
fuck off. <laughs> it's not the same though. Anyway, what about you? Yeah. Do you wish anyone did? No, it's yeah. Again, it's like it, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's just not the right answer, is it? No, it's just. I did not some camp. I did some campaigning on on election day and uh, went door knocking. Mm. I was getting the vote out for Labour. Yeah, that's what I okay. do on election day. <laughs> All right, uh, and I was doing the daytime shift because that's where my child is in nursery. So and so, a lot of the people that we were knocking on their doors were, were old people. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we uh, were going round. I had a couple of really unpleasant experiences, mm. and I, I did one guy apoplectic he was apoplectic yes mm. he was almost like i thought god if he keeps going on he's gonna he's gonna die now oh, <laughs> it's gonna be my fault he was really angry it's like quivery lip angry talking about trotskyists and stuff he was and he was very proud to explain that he was 90 years old and there mm. he was living in this sheltered accommodation looking very well dressed he was very sprightly and i was like you're looking very good for 90 sir of course you know please feel free to vote for whoever you choose to but he's going on about it's like it's all right for you to get all angry about this um but you've benefited from a fully functioning NHS for the last, <laughs> it's like, however long you are on the tail end of people who are going to get decent pensions and mm. social care and all this. So, um, uh, and I was with somebody who was much younger than me, was in and maybe 21, 22, and he was trying to argue with him. And I was like, you know, leave it. He's going to die soon. Mm. Let's move on to somebody oh, else. <laughs> it's like, it's like I, didn't, I didn't let the old man hear me because I thought that would be rude and I'm not like that. But <laughs> there was a couple of... Uh, so I didn't necessarily wish him dead at all. Mm. <clears throat> but I was look I was conscious of the fact that hopefully we weren't going to have to deal with him for much longer. <laughs> oh Lord. Have you, I once, um, I remember when I was, uh, working for the London borough of Newham in the housing department, uh, many years ago, um, and had to like cold call people, had to sort of cold call people on the housing register and yeah, had a couple of, um, is so and so in? No, they're dead. Um, awkward <laughs> moments of not very niceness. Another idea of a subject is um, so the inverse of death, living forever. Oh yeah. Um, what What do you think about that? Straight. I have actually thought about this mm. only because there's a woman in Brighton who runs an organisation called Think Nation. Her name's Lizzie Hodgson, and mm. she goes around getting uh, arranging debates for young people and one of the topics was uh immortality yeah. and uh whether or not it was okay because apparently there are some very wealthy people investing quite a lot of money in yep. the idea of living together uh, living forever and they would <laughs> and they so it's like cheaper living together if anything <laughs> You don't need to be a billionaire to live together. But anyway, uh, so they're, 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 they're spending lots of money on these things and in the next 20 years, apparently, there is a chance that one of their experiments might succeed. Um, I read... I dare, go on. I read, read a book in my formative years um, and this was probably one of the last straws in my sort of religious um, kind of... Just like I was like, well, I don't need this religion anymore. A book called Great Mambo Chicken and the Transhuman <laughs> Condition. Right. I think it's by Ed Regis. Um, which has a lot of um, um, the ideas of scientists about how to solve some of the larger sort of death and sort of finiteness defeating uh, problems of the universe. So there was a lot of um, nanotechnology talk of, you know, if once we can control matter, we can um, repair ourselves indefinitely and just live forever that way. There was a lot of stuff on like uploading. There was some stuff on sort of cloning your self and your consciousness and 
sending copies of yourself out into the universe and then at the end of time everyone comes back together and has a big party um and then there was also stuff about okay well the sun is eventually going to die so what are we going to do about that and plans for like a dyson sphere which is where like talking about taking jupiter and turning it into a sort of shield around the solar system even if it's just a disc that will kind of help us conserve an awful lot of the sun's energy versus if we didn't um there's some uh, heat death of the universe issues that they sort of wanted to address but yeah lots of ideas about you know like and what our trans ideal transhuman form some kind of disturbing like sort of um branching sort of tree-like fern-like robot things with the fingers branch down and down and down to the size of atoms so that you could just physically make the world using just by directly manipulating it with your fingers and all of this none of this was in defiance of the current laws of physics but everything's always 20 years away Oh. And that 20 years, I have come over time to start to become very suspicious of that number when I hear it. <laughs> because as soon as something's 20 years away, it, it, it's not worth saying. It's not worth talking about, I think. Um, but like, we should be striving for that stuff. And some of the things will come true in a completely different way, in a completely mad way. But at the same time, I'm, I'm very glad that there's some very wealthy people addressing this. Because why, why do we need... To die but it's like yeah like it'd be nice to i'd like to live as though i had 300 years to kind of learn things and kind of kind of get good at things and be able to kind of make things for a long time um and it's but it's not necessarily even the sort of populate overpopulation thing that that worries me it's the fact that kind of on that uh, more abstract on that sort of like creativity like life can life is life life without death? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think that based on our our, our opening gambit for this conversation mm -hmm. that we could possibly. Um, I I couldn't possibly be uh, think that immortality is a good idea. <laughs> I really, you know, I I and I, I, I mentioned earlier that having a child made me much more aware of my own mortality made me think about it i certainly want to be healthier mm. you know i don't want to be you know living past a certain age can mean a lot more pain and discomfort yeah. and, and lack of ability uh, i don't want any of that if i can avoid yeah. it but i but i i think i am a better version of my parents and i expect my child to be a better version of me and in order for her to be herself i i need to die yeah, we sort of, I guess there's no there's no getting away from the fact we accumulate some positive things and a lot of negative stuff and we sort of solidify after a while and it is kind of time to let someone fresh yeah, come yeah. in, someone fresh and idealistic and with, you know... Yes. To whom... He's, he's got... He's feeling... He's brave and... Full. I mean, I... I, I We've we've had conversations about mental health before yeah. but and I've never necessarily had... Uh, you know, I had to be medicated for anything, but I have done loads of counselling and therapy and stuff. But I've had moments in, when I've just felt tired. Well, you know, where you just go, look, I, I need a bit of a, you know, I, I've and, and I, you know, these moments, they're cycles and they pass. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's there's as you cycle, you you revisit the same thing. Every mm. so often, you're like, oh, my, you know, we've had this situation. I'm sorry that all the other people around me haven't had this situation before, but I have, and I don't want to do it again. I'm bored with this now. I've, I've, I know what I think about this, and I, I, I don't. This is a lesson I don't want again. I'm, I'm on a different one. So it's a kind of a, you know, I think there is a, there is a, for me, uh, I think I, I think immortality. I think good health, yes. Immortality, no. I Thank think you. if I've if I've ever felt sort of ready to die, it's been on the back of like a success or a feeling that I've kind of achieved everything I wanted to achieve, and that's that. I guess that must be. I don't know how common that. It must be a common thing, right? Like, if it's harder to to accept the idea of death if you kind of don't feel like you've done everything you could or like yeah. you're struggling, but it's strange how when you feel like you've achieved something that suddenly it's like, okay, well, what else is there now? 
Yeah, I, I've had that. that. I, uh, I've definitely had that feeling of you know I've 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 come to this point, and you very quickly you you get new. Thankfully, I think otherwise, why would you bother? You very quickly get a new idea of what you should be doing mm. and why that thing that you've just done wasn't actually, you know, you'd like to do it again or differently or yeah, better right. or another thing or you learn something new. But uh, but I do think there's like these these cycles where we go, you know, yay, this is a this is a, a gate, a pivotal mm. moment. And now and then there's that pause before you pivot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Immortality. Yeah. Yes. What about uh, like the vampires? Uh, look, I like a vampire movie. <laughs> I think vampires as are much as anyone else. My favourite one, my favourite one is the Cyber City Oedo uh, vampire film, where the vampire got, they go up a space elevator and get he gets sucked out through an airlock and just kind of vaporised, and then you see him sort of like reforming atomically and then like all these sinews and things kind of lashing onto each other and he comes back and he just then comes back in i was like yeah that's that's kind of that's that's how to do it if you are gonna <laughs> if you are gonna live forever but anyway yeah it's uh this is this is the artwork for my album is very much about this i think if you if you did have a sort of tenuous immortality that there's a danger that you really are now too scared to do anything remotely risky because like the stakes are so much higher like so say you were like you kind of could heal and you know medically be healed now you're just like so much less inclined to kind of risk your life like there needs to be some redundancy there needs to be like the ability to kind of really fix everything if you're going to um otherwise you're just going to live a, a just a life of um it's just going to make it even more terrifying yeah, a life of self-preservation. Yeah, which is why I kind of did the artwork of people doing... It's about living forever, but it's people doing stuff that seems like they're about to die, rather than sort of playing it safe. Maybe a little uh, um, vein to mine in terms of editing mm. is a bit of um, things that last last week on reflection, because I did reflect yeah. on what the things that we said. So there's a sort of on reflection yeah, section, okay. <laughs> right. which might be that sort of one of the things we talked about was the fact that uh there's a lot you know you said uh the the, the sort of uh, it's it's undeniable that there's lots of people out there that are way 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 better off than you'll ever be mm. and i piped up in a sort of uh touchy feely sort of yeah and people that are way way worse off well, than you'll ever be mm. but actually i don't agree with that i think there are people out there that i'm only a few paychecks you know as i as i am a professional you know a train a professional who earns above a certain amount etc etc the distance between me and a homeless person on the street is not a couple of days mm. but it might be a few months mm. you know i don't feel like i am so and i think that's possibly one thing that the the middle classes mm. often forget is that because and i think going tying it into this week's t theme about death uh, mm. etc you know my the, the the death of yugoslavia was mm. not something that came into my parents financial planning and the death of yugoslavia started a few years before it happened right. with hyperinflation and not being paid and uh, and before you know it we had to leave when we left because if we'd left it any later we wouldn't have had the petrol money to drive to england right god you know that so it's like actually i i don't think there are people way way worse off than i'll ever be i think that i have to be mindful of the fact that something could happen to me that means that i become them but i'm you know i'm never going to be a billionaire yeah because unless i get a time machine and buy some bitcoin or something well, i suppose <laughs> I, I you know maybe I was, I was sort of like I, I sort of felt like, oh yeah, I suppose she's got a point. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that at all. But yeah, no, I, I did. There isn't certainly, it certainly isn't symmetrical. 
Like, no, it's um, not at all. The, and the I, kind and of I, wealth gap is the upwards is enormous. Obscene. Like it's incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah. 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 I the can't even imagine. Downwards, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> careful. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's one of the things that, on reflection, I'm, I, uh, I wondered. You know, I'd, I'd kind of gone that. Uh, you know, when people go, you're talking about something, and you know, this man said, you know, this man comes in and they get man or woman. <laughs> like I did that a bit, you know, that sort of like, or poorer than you. And I was like, actually, no, that's I didn't not mind. what I think I at all. Mind. I think that actually we're not that far. And one of the one of the things that my father always used to talk about is the fact that the British are obsessed with their middle class or upper middle class or lower middle class or middle middle class, blah, blah. But actually, we're all working class because if we don't yeah. work. Yeah. We don't get to eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the bottom line. And this is why so. you're, um, this is, yeah, part of the success of your Zuckerbergs is, and he said this, is like if, if he didn't, if he, the fact he didn't have to work meant that he could do this. And if yeah. he'd had to work like one of us middle classes, like he couldn't, you know, you can't do this stuff. So yeah, like there's no. a lot of stuff being achieved by people who, don't necessarily have to be doing that right now and that's something i've been kind of become aware of in the last couple of years is i you know you get into this middle class trap of um you know you have to make a you have to keep working to maintain a certain lifestyle but it means that you can't really do anything more interesting because um you're kind of constantly on that treadmill now you're sort of trapped by yeah but that's trapped I think by that's, your lifestyle but yeah that's a, a different maybe that's another topic thank you for listening i'm you can find me at ivanka on twitter and ivanka.blog and you can find me at michael forrest on twitter and michaelforrestmusic.com you can find both of us at grandpodcast.com or email us hello at grandpodcast.com and you can, if you want, support us on Patreon with grandpodcast.com slash pledge or grandpodcast.com slash sledge. What's a sledge? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny. Oh. Because <laughs> it sounds like pledge. <laughs> you mean, you know. I don't know. It's just my sense of humor there. Fair enough. Uh, well, yeah, and thanks for listening, and hopefully, uh, see you next week. Yes, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>